walking like Jesus walked. The psalmist said in Psalms 23 and 6, he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful word. What a beautiful word. Surely his goodness and his mercy shall follow me every day of my life. So let me ask you this question today. Is this good poetry or is this reality? For some, let me say this, it's beautiful poetry. For others, it can be the reality they hope and they long for. But for a few, for a few that has taken the Lord at his word, and sometimes we call those those with great faith, it is the reality that they live in. I'm not asking for a response here today, but how many of us walk daily with a conscious understanding that his goodness and his mercy are our constant companions? I mean, stop and think about it. Regardless of what happens, someone runs the red light, T-bones you. You get out of your vehicle and you look at it and it's all crushed and you don't know what you're going to do and you, and, and, and you realize, I had the green light, he run the red light, do you go and chew him out for running the red light because all of us do make mistakes? Or do we back up and we say, I'm blessed. I'm still blessed. Regardless of what happens, I am still blessed. And again, let me, let me ask you another question. How many of us live in a conscious reality that we dwell in his presence daily? Well, now, Brother Bruce, I, I, I know I hear you. I, I don't feel him all the time. Well, I think that's our problem. We're too tied up in feelings. I'm married. I have been for 44 and a half years. I don't always feel married. In other words, I don't get up every morning and say, ooh, I feel married today. (laughs) No, I just am. I just am. That may not be good English, but I am. And it governs everything that I do. It governs everything that I say. It governs every decision that I make. I am married. I don't have to feel that way. I am married same thing happens with, my pre- with dwelling in his presence daily. I don't have to feel him every day. I do not have to feel him. I just know he is there. And he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. Nor will he ever. He just is. The last line of verse 6 of Psalms 23 says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word house here is interpreted from the Hebrew word beyeth. And this is one of those Hebrew words that that has many different uh, interpretations to it. Or it can be used in many different places. But where it's applicable here is the word web. I will dwell in the web of the Lord forever. 
Now stop and think about what, what comes to your mind when I say the word web. You think about a spider web. Now a spider, something gets in that web and what's the first thing he does? He begins to wrap around it. And he builds almost like a cocoon around it so that nothing can steal it from him. It's there for him. Do you understand this morning that we dwell in the house or in the web of the Lord? He has built around us a cocoon that protects us and it keeps us, sets us aside, especially for him. However, I can push my way out of that cocoon. I will dwell in the web of the Lord forever. That's a decision I have made. Over the past week, the Lord has made me more consciously aware of his word and how we simply take it for granted. And pardon me if I, I, this morning I'm the watchman on the wall and I'm going to say some things and they may be a little bit hard to receive. They may be a little hard to digest, but just understand I'm saying them because I love you. I want to make sure we all get there. I want to make sure that none of us are left behind when the trump of God sounds. I want to make sure that I've done everything I can and I'm not going to abuse you or take advantage of you. But many times we read the word of God and we hear it. We believe it. But often we never apply it to us or to our circumstance. It's great preaching it's it's a great verse of scripture that's used in a service and, and we're supposed to applaud to that and we've learned how to worship and we know where the cues are and, and but when we walk out that door and life hits us square in the face how much of this do we fall back on immediately you say well brother bruce that's fairly strong we read it, we hear it, we believe it, but often we never apply it to us in our circumstances. How do I know this? Let something happen in our lives. I said our lives, not your lives, our lives. And we start running around in circles wondering, what in the world am I going to do? So-and-so's sick. What in the world are we going to do? So-and-so died. What in the world am I going to do? I've got promises in this book. I've got verses in this book that are written especially for those occasions that tells me exactly where I can go and exactly what I can rely upon and exactly what he will do in those situations for me. My daily devotional scriptures have become fertile ground this past week for the Lord to drive home to me the message that he has given me for us today. Scriptures such as, and I go back to Psalms 23 and verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, life's going to smack you. And you're going to get a little bit discouraged. You may even lose faith for a few moments. Something may happen. But Psalms 23 says, he restoreth my soul. It's a commitment that he has made to me and you. He restoreth my soul. And he was going to lead, not only is he going to restore me, he's going to lead me in his paths of righteousness. He's going to lead me in the right, right direction. And he's going to do this for his name's sake. And, and when we say it's like he gets, he gets the glory. No, he's going to do it because he said he would do it. 
And in order that his name abides strong within us, then he is going to prove to us over and over, I will restore you when you go through something hard. I will be there. Proverbs 21, 21 says, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life. Do you hear that? If we follow after righteousness and mercy... In other words, we try to live right and we extend mercy to others instead of judgment all the time or instead of being argumentative all the time, instead of letting our bad side out every now and then. He says if we will follow after righteousness and mercy, we will find what? Life. Not only will we find life, we will find righteousness and we will find honor. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now come on, how many times do you sit down to eat or drink and say this is all to the glory of God? I'm sorry at Thanksgiving when we sit down at the table and we start eating all the turkey and the dressing and the pies and all of the things that come. Is that to the glory of God? What the Lord is doing here, he's taking something so baseline, just just something so everyday, and he's saying to us, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to his glory. Or is, and I was pulling in another scripture, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in his name. Whether therefore you eat or you drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. In other words, every moment of my life should be extending glory to him. We call those people that it seemed to be always in touch with God. We, 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 we call them very religious people. Oh, that we could all be more religious people because this book is filled with promises for religious people and for people that desire to walk close to God. That's what this book does. Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart faileth. And it's gonna happen. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. So when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, understand God is the strength of your heart. When fear hits you and you begin to quake within within yourself, that's what this verse was put here, was so that you and I could fall back on it and say, wait a minute, He is the strength of my heart. Whenever the phone call comes or whenever something happens and and all of a sudden it's just thrown you into a tailspin, that word was put there so that immediately the child of God would say, wait a minute, God is my strength. God is my strength. He's my portion forever. Do these scriptures sound like something that we walk in constantly? especially in constant awareness of? Do we walk as if these are written for us and to us? I'm afraid sometimes we forget. 
But there is something that is compelling me to minister this word to you. It started last Sunday with Brother Randy's message. Brother Mason on Wednesday night said, by the word. Everything had to be done by the word. Everything has been leading up to this message today. God is telling us, go back to the baseline, church. Go back to where everything is established. It's established on the word. It's not established on buildings. And it's not established in good music programs. It's not established in great ministry programs. It's established on the word. Without this word, there is nothing. I ask you, are we living in the reality every moment of every day and we should? And you ask me, you may ask that question, you mean, Brother Bruce, I should immediately respond. I'm not saying that trouble is not going to come. Or if trouble does come, that it's not to bother you. No, it's going to bother you. The Word says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. It's going to happen to us all. But we don't have to throw our hands up in the air and wonder what in the world are we going to do. Because what we're going to do or what we should do is written right here. This is mine and your reality that we should live in. Then my mind went to these scriptures. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, be, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that, hath, that doth go, go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor will he forsake thee. Joshua 1 and 5 says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Hebrews 13 and 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he, said, he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Three verses here, spanning close to 3,500 to 4,000 years in time. That's how these were. Three times he said, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. I think it's a, I, I know you could look at Joshua and say, well, he was writing that to Joshua. He was saying that to Joshua. Well, what about the other two times? I think he's saying that to all of us. Whatever life is dealing you, he says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Yes, you can live in the assurance and the reality that I will dwell in his presence forever. Amen. Luke 12, two verses here, and Jesus is speaking both of them. He says, consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn. And God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? Luke 12, again, verse 28. If God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? These last two verses are the words of Jesus, and he cuts right to the heart of the matter. You see, the people that we consider so spiritual and so religious, and we call them people of great faith. They abide by the promises. The reason we call them people of great faith and great spiritual people is we're not quite where they are. We're not living 
where they are. And here's the deal. Jesus cuts to the heart of the matter and he says, oh, ye of little faith. We don't trust. We don't trust him like we should trust him. I'm more, I, I, I am, I'm talking about me here. I am more prone to try to settle my issues and my problems than I am to go and fall before him and ask for his help. I believe we should do everything that we can do for ourselves. But I also believe that, what, that, that we should ask for his help and his guidance in everything that we do. Jesus cuts right to the heart of the matter and he says, you got to check your faith. And so I challenge you this morning, check your faith. Check your faith. These promises are yours. This, this is not just good reading. It's not just, just something pretty to be read in church. And, and it's not just a good sermon, good sermon material and then we walk out the door. When we walk out the door is when this should take effect. I wonder if any of us realize the true value that the Lord places on us. Now, you, you know, we sing, we sing songs like, He means more than all the world to me. The dearest friend, uh, you know, that old song. And we talk about his value to us. But I want to know, I wonder if any of us really realize the true value that the Lord places on us. I mean, from his perspective. From his perspective, what is our worth to him? Brother Randy was telling me about a book. He's, he's getting this book for me. I'm anxious to read it. He's talking about these these scientists and they're, they're, I guess they're astronomers and they look at the stars and all this and you know and they first looked look out there and they said well you know space is too small and God's that you know it's not big enough to hold it. then the next thing they know no it's too big and you can't find God in all that emptiness and 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 then they begin to talk about where we sit inside the Milky Way. And said, it's the darkest corner of the Milky Way. But yet then they decide, well, you know what? If it wasn't so dark here, we wouldn't be able to see. Because the light would be so bright. I mean, from his perspective. And then one of them made the statement such as, it looks as if everything was created for one thing. For one group of people. He did. He created and is still creating. Is there anybody else out there? I have no clue. That's his business. But it looks like everything that he's done, he's done it for us. Because it's a perfect environment for us to live in. So how much does he really love us? He loves us enough that he wants us with him for eternity. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I know we're, suppo we're supposed to, oh, yes, he wants us. We're all going to go to heaven and be together. Oh, I don't know about you, but I got family. That if somebody told me they had to live with me forever, I would, I would start applying for a new family. You, no, now don't get so righteous on me. You got them too. You got them too. All of a sudden, you, but he says, in my father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and where I am, there ye may be also. So let me ask you, how much does he love us? That's a reality you and I can walk in, folks. He loves us. He's going to prepare a place. Let me add a couple of more scriptures. This particular group is almost a picture of how, how to live your best life for Christ. And I go to, book, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. My son, forget not my law, Solomon is writing here, but let thine heart keep mine commandments. For the length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For if you'll do that, then length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. You want to know how to live a life and live a long time? Forget not my law and let thine heart keep my commandments. Remembering his law or his rules, let's just call them that. Remembering his law or his rules and keeping them will add length of days and long life and peace to our very lives. Anybody here need, need peace in your life? Verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. I think we've heard that before. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. In other words, mercy should always be extended. You know, you know that poor little that poor little lady or the poor little guy that calls you up and wants to sell you. Um, Warranty on the vehicle you traded 10 years ago? Oh, you got that phone call too, huh? Some of us delight in giving those people a hard time. Some of us delight in chewing them out, blessing them and telling them don't call here again. You know what? They're getting paid by the hour. They're trying to make a living just like you're trying to make a living. That just happens to be the job that they were able to find. You got caller ID. Don't give them a hard time. Don't slam the phone down. Just don't answer it if you don't recognize the number. Oh, you didn't, ever, you didn't know we could apply that to the Word of God, huh? Let not mercy and truth, mercy and truth forsake thee. In other words, I've got to walk in, I've got to walk with mercy. Even when somebody chews me out, I've got to extend mercy. Bind them about my neck, write them on the table of my heart. And if I will do this, I will find favor with and good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Dale Carnegie wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Well, Solomon, in two verses, did what he Took 200 pages to do. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And all of you can quote that scripture. But do we do that? 
Do we really trust him with everything? Do you ask his permission before you go and buy that new car? Did you ask his permission before you went new house shopping? Did, no. Did you ask his permission before you went clothes shopping? Did you ask his favor and his blessing before you went to do anything? Because if we really trust him, he'll take care of us. Is our faith, is our face and our heart so directed toward him that we tr truly, totally trust him to direct our steps? Scripture tells us the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. So he must really mean what he says when he says, trust me with all your heart. And I will direct your steps. Verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't you, don't you hate a know-it-all? Bad word. Don't you dislike a know-it-all? Still bad word. Don't you find it hard to tolerate a know-it-all? Sit preaching to me. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from me. In other words, if you don't know what to do, ask him. My own wisdom has gotten me into trouble many times. And if you're honest, yours has too. Quit flirting with the devil. You say, well, I'm not flirting with the devil. You are as long as you're trying to do everything under your own motivation. Quit flirting with the devil. Do you actually think he will give you any good advice? Do you think the devil will advise you and give you good advice on anything? No, leave evil alone. In fact, Scripture tells us to even shun the very appearance of it. And I'm afraid we've quit doing that. I'm afraid that we're, we're compromising with evil. We're allowing things into our homes that we, we shouldn't be allowing. You're allowing your kids to play video games and watch movies that they have no business. A child of God, a Christian home, a home where we say we serve the Lord and then all of a sudden there's R-rated movies, blood and gore and everything else going on. I'm sorry, that's not a Christian home. Well, Brother Bruce, I sure like action movies. Oh, no, let me just stop. I'm, I'm fixing to get in trouble. You got, look, you become what you're constantly ingesting. And you will begin to think that way. And if you like something, okay, since I said it, action. Action means there's a fight going on. So in other words, I'm ready to fight. And if I keep listening to all of that, that's my tendency. As a young man, I used to get up in the mornings looking for somebody to fight with. I just, you know, it's just, I could dress you down with words in a heartbeat. I really learned later that that wasn't very popular, wasn't very nice. Okay, I've got to move on. Verse 8. Back up to verse 7. Let's take them in context. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So quickly with all of us making New Year's resolutions to get healthy, let me give you a good health pointer. Righteous living is healthy. Okay? 
that's enough about that. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. This is God's financial plan, it's not mine. And if you want to be blessed, here's the secret. And I'm not going into it because it would almost sound as if I wasn't grateful and thankful to you for a $17,000 best gift offering and it's still not all in yet. And I am, I'm very thankful for it. But here's the point. If you will abide by these two verses with your finances and see the, you will see the continual blessings of the Lord upon you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now hear me on this point. Don't abide by this because it's, a, it's good financial advice. But do it out of obedience to his word. Do it because it was his advice to you. Verse 11, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. In other words, son, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Sometimes you and I go through things, and we know good and well the Lord is dealing with us. Okay, by now you've, you're on scripture overload, so, but stay with me. I'm going somewhere with all of this. Let me a few more scriptures. Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in the the darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. noonday. You get all of this that I just read just for dwelling with him. Just for keeping his law and his commandments. You get all of the things that I just said. And then he adds this to it. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And I know you're sitting there thinking, my Lord, Brother Bruce, where are you going with all of this? What is the point? The point is all of these scriptures, folks, are ours. We don't even have to claim them. They are already written to us and for us. Yes, every one of us that has chosen to make him Lord of our life, these scriptures are ours. And when we walk out that door, it's when they take effect and they begin to lead us through the coming week. As his children, we just have to submit to him and live according to his rules for our life. And then we reap the benefits of his promised blessings. We have many examples in the word of God where God takes care of his own. They stood for him and he stood for them. They chose not to compromise with evil or with any type of human influence. The prophet, remember Elijah? 
he was fed by ravens. Three Hebrew boys were miraculously delivered from a fiery furnace because they refused to bow. Oh, king, don't even bother with blowing the horn again. We're not even careful in saying this. We are not going to bow to your idol. And they were delivered from a fiery furnace because when, when the king looked down, he said, there's four in there. Didn't we throw three in? Daniel spent a night in a den of hungry lions. And the next morning, Daniel was still there and he was alive and he began to praise God for it. Then there were the miracles of provision. But just because they were his, he provided for them. The children of Israel quickly come to mind. They're standing at the Red Sea and they see Pharaoh and his army coming behind them, the Red Sea in front of them. Mountains on both sides, they have nowhere to go. And they cry out to the Lord. They cry out to Moses. Moses cries out to the Lord. And the Lord says, what's in your hand, Moses? He said, I got a rod. I mean, it's a rod. It don't even make a good paddle. And he says, take it and hold it over the water. And here comes the wind. And it begins to push the water. Look, some of you face some very hard things. And you face some problems that you just did not. And the Lord says, what's in your hand? Let me tell you what's in your hand. I got this. And I got all the promises, Brother David. I got every promise in its mind. It's mine. He said to me, he wouldn't leave me. He said he wouldn't forsake me. He said he would provide for me. He said he would do all of these things for me. Children of Israel were thirsty. God told Moses, he said, Smite the rock. A dry rock in a desert. Now, I could, I could give Ethan to go out there and get me a rock off the parking lot, but you know what? That rock's been sitting in 99.999 humidity. I'm talking about a rock sitting in the desert where humidity's in the negative numbers. There is no humidity. And a dry rock and, 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 a, and a sword... Of all things, and Moses, and water gushes forth. For about three million people and all of their cattle. Do you know that, I don't know if y'all ever watch this stuff, but on YouTube, and of course everything on YouTube is true, you know. No, these, these documentaries, they have, they have found, literally found the rock they believe that he smote because it's got signs of water erosion. You thought I was going to say he's got signs of where he hit it with a sword. Uh, yeah, no. They were hungry. They were hungry. And they woke up the next morning and there was these little discs laying on the ground. They were manna. You know what they say about manna? Manna is the most complete food in the world. It's got all your nutrients. It's got all your vitamins. It's got everything you need to carry you for an entire day. Then they got tired of eating manna and said, we want meat. And he sent them quail. More quail than they even knew what to do with. Our Bible is full of supernatural and the miraculous. It was filled with these things for instructions and it was filled there for examples. To you and to me that what has been done, he will do again. But we must believe this is for us today. 
I know you was expecting me to be through in 30 minutes. Well, I'm, as you know, I'm not. And I'm not doing it to take advantage. I just, God gave me this word. I've got to get the point across to you because he's telling us we need this. This Bible is not just a book of beautiful poetry or a book of mystery or a book of romance. It is an instruction manual for you and me to follow. Every verse in this book is written and applies to us individually and to us as a church. The latter part of Daniel 11.32 says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong. And they will do great exploits. Do you know your God? If you know your God, you know now what's expected of you. You're going to be strong and you're going to do great exploits. I'm not trying to hype us up for the, for the miraculous. That's not the purpose of this message. And let me add this. The miraculous, listen to me, the miraculous is just a byproduct of the purpose of this book. It's just a byproduct because if we live for him the way we're supposed to live for him, then we'll do the things that he did. Let me get to the heart of the matter. I'm going to try to wrap it up at least in the next 30 minutes. Let me get to the heart. The apostle Peter walked with the Lord for three and a half years. He saw how Jesus responded under pressure. And how Jesus responded under pressure was also how he taught Peter and the rest of the disciples that they were to respond under pressure. Peter saw Jesus do some incredible things. Just some of them, water to wine, thousands fed with fish and bread. Jesus even spoke to the elements and to nature. And if you, and if you will, nature obeyed. Jesus taught them to love one another and he exampled it to them. Jesus had compassion upon the lepers and when they, he wasn't supposed to touch them, he touched them and he healed them. He, had, he healed the blind eyes, the deaf ears, issues of blood, uh, invalids healed. Jesus taught the disciples to spend time with the needy. Then Jesus gave them power over satanic influence and he gave them power over diseases and the disciples were amazed but, but Jesus told them don't be so excited about the fact that you're, you have power over devils and over diseases but be excited about the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because when your name is in the book this book is yours to use as he has told us to do so so three and a half years Peter was influenced by, by nothing else but what Jesus said and what Jesus did. That's why in Acts 3, Peter and the disciples took up where Jesus left off and they begin to minister to the hurting. Remember silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up. So what do we have? Do we have enough of what they had and have we been filled with the same Holy Ghost that Peter and the other disciples been, been filled with? Do we have that? If we have that, then let us do what they have done. They brought the sick. They laid them in the street that at least Peter's shadow might pass over them and they be healed. Listen to me. This, this is probably one of the most important things I will say. When you have been submerged in Jesus' words and in his ways then you will think like Jesus thought and you will do like he did. When you have been submerged 
in this and in his ways, then you will think like he thought and you will do like he did. Nothing shall be impossible. Peter walked like Jesus walked. Church, there are days ahead of us where we will have to walk like Jesus walked. Here's probably the greatest need that I felt to present this word to you today because I feel that we are here at this particular time. Second Thessalonians talks about a great falling away. I've often wondered what the great falling away would be and, and I'm down to the point now that I think it's just going to be people that are just discouraged. People that don't pray. People that don't spend time in the word. And life is going to hit them so hard and from so many different directions. They're just going to lay down and spiritually die. It will not be intentional. It's just they will have that mental attitude. What am I going to do? Oh my God, what am I going to do? I've lost my job. I've, this has happened. I've lost my spouse. I've, this one's died. That happened. Violence in America. Oh my God. Oh my God. What am I going to do? And I think that the oh my God there is more of just a slang word that we get used to using. It's the reason I've spent so much time today on these scriptures. We're facing some times and some situations to which we must believe he can and he will. We must believe he will see us through. We've got to get that in our heart. He will see us through. I don't have to solve it. I don't have to fix it. He'll see us through. Our Bible's not a fantasy book. It is the real account of what happened once a long time ago, but is still waiting to happen yet once again. If we don't get these scriptures deep down in our spirits and realize they are for us and to us, we won't make it in this end time. I probably should have put that one way at the beginning when you were still energized and full of energy and you're wondering now when I'm going to quit but let me say it again if we don't get this down in us deep down in our spirits and realize these are for us we won't make it in this end time you will become you, you may sit on these pews and still not make it We could very well become a tragedy of the great falling away. Some of you are already facing more hell than you ever thought you would face. Just Don't just get in the word, but apply the word. It is for you. We've not heard the last of pandemics. Political unrest is just getting started. Violence in our streets is going to get worse. Why? Revelation 12 tells us why. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. See, it's all right here for us. For the devil has come down unto you. That's what's going on. That's what's happening around us. That's why the hell's breaking out in your home. That's why things are happening on the job. That is because the devil has come down to us knowing he, with great wrath, knowing that he hath but a very short time. That's what's going on. Listen to me. Demo the Democrats have no idea what it will take to save this nation. 
They have no idea what it's going to take to save this world from the chaos that is going on. And, and before you say, well, he's getting political now. No, the Republicans, they don't have a plan either for the ills of America or this world. The only thing that will save America and save the world is for you and me, the church, to begin to walk like Jesus walked. That's the only thing that's going to save us. You see, the apostle Peter learned while walking with Jesus some of the things that the shepherd boy David and King David learned while shepherding sheep and taking care of God's people. They both learned, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies and thou anointest my head with oil and my cup it runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever you see they both learned Peter and David that the Lord was their shepherd And there was nothing they would want for. They trusted God just that much. They knew he would take them to green pastures. And they knew he would lead them to still waters. And with great comfort for their future, they knew if they should become confused or discouraged or misdirected, that he would restore them. He would bring them back and he would totally restore them and he would lead them back to righteousness. David and Peter had both at one time or another walked as you and I have through the valley of the shadow of death. But what they learned is that the Lord would be with them and they had nothing to fear because His rod and His staff gave them great comfort. Have you and I learned that lesson yet? But verse 5 was the championship verse. And this one just excites me to no end. Whatever, and this applies to all of us, listen, whatever the devil had thrown at Peter and David, what, and at us, whatever he's thrown at you, whatever type of fear tactic that he has used, whatever method of attacking theirs or our faith, they had learned in the middle of the devil's best shot that the Lord would prepare a banquet feast. Whenever the, whenever the devil gave it his best shot and he hit you with everything he had to hit you with, the Lord said, I'll restore you, I will keep you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. And he, he plans a banquet feast that has everything you need to survive. And it will be right in front of you as you walk through whatever kind of hell you have to walk through. Whatever they needed, whatever you and I need, It was and it is provided. 
then of course we end where we begin. David, like Peter, had decided, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wrapped up in the web of the Lord, submerged in his presence all the days of my life. And I will dwell there forever. Depending on his provision, on his protection, basking in his blessings. You know what? It's just like a marriage. There's no place to quit. Regardless of what you hit today, regardless of what comes tomorrow, you will get through it because his word said you would and you will be fine. You'll be okay. They learned and you and I must to walk like Jesus walked. Ministry team, Keith, team that you got you'll get the the communion prepare to administer it brother Dylan I didn't realize you were upstairs so I'm sorry What they're going to do is, is they're going to pass the baskets, and if you would, just take them down. Go ahead. You can start now. And uh, just like we would be doing the offering, take you a communion cup out. Here you go, Charlotte. Is that Donna's? She, she left you. She's on the platform up here now. I need one, Randy, whenever y'all. And we need three more up here on the platform. While they're doing this, I'm going to ask you to do something very important. I'm going to ask you to begin to search your heart, especially once you take this in your hand, because this is a sacred thing. I want you to take, I want you to search your heart and I want you to begin to ask God to forgive you of anything that stands between you and him. If you have found yourself in the course of this message being one of those that possibly walked with little faith, then ask him to forgive you and to restore you. Restore your faith. Would you do that right now? This is your moment to repent. This is your moment to make sure everything is right between you and God. This is not just another religious ceremony. This is done at the request of the Lord himself. He encouraged the disciples and us to do this. And every time we do it, he said for us to remember. But remember what? First of all, remember the price he paid. That we can never get away from. Remember the price he paid for our liberty, our freedom from sin. But let me take it a little further. Remember all of the promises of this word and not let one iota of the word fall to the wayside as if it was not meant for us today. If he promised it, it is ours. So are you ready to receive the Lord's Supper? If you are, I want you to stand with me.
with your sacrament. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and of course you won't have the verses on the screen. You'll just have to listen to me. I've asked all of them to come down. The Apostle Paul started like this. He said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And please understand, it's been a long message and I know it. But I received it from the Lord. And I received it for you and for me. And that's what I've tried to do this morning. That the Lord just that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me, in remembrance of his death, burial, and resurrection, in remembrance of every promise of his word, receive the bread. He said, and after the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me again, remembering his death, his burial, his resurrection, but also remembering all of the amazing promises of his word for you and me. Receive the cup. Thank you, Jesus. For as often as you eat this bread and drink, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. So would you lift your hands right now and we worship him and we magnify him and glorify his name. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your blood that washes away every stain. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for liberty from sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for every promise of the word that has been given for my benefit and for the benefit of those that listen today. Thank you, Jesus, for every promise, for every blessing. I give thanks and I give praise and I give honor to your name. Can we praise him together right now? Can we praise him? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I bless the name of the Lord. I bless the name of Jesus. I bless the name of Jesus. I bless the name of Jesus. I bless the name. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for every promise. I hope you walk out of here today with a different concept of this book than you've ever had before. I hope that when, when life smacks you sometime today or tomorrow or sometime this week, that you'll remember there's some verses in here that applies to this situation. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. And I'm going to be okay. He's going to deliver me. He's going to be with me. If you can't can't remember anything else, remember he said, I'll not leave you nor forsake you. Because whatever we face in 22, we're going to need this. Thank you, Jesus. To guide us. God bless you for being here today. Brother David, would you dismiss us? Lord, we're so grateful today for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the provisions that you've made for your people. We thank you, Lord God, for every promise. Today, Lord God, you see your people here at Bentley. I ask, Lord God, that your blessings would be upon them. That health and strength would be with us. But, Lord, that a great passion for your word to be told to this lost world. Let us, Lord God, feel compelled to reach out to this world that is in need of you. Help us today. Go with us today. I ask you, Lord God, to be the lamp unto our feet. We love you. We appreciate you. Those that are among us, oh God, that are sick, let healing come to them in the name of Jesus. Those, Lord God, that are among us, that suffer with depression. Let peace, that peace, that your word says it passeth all understanding rest upon them. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the love that goes to and fro in our midst, helping us, oh God. If we love you, let us love others. In the name of Jesus, bless each home. Bless our children, O God. Be that hedge of protection around about us. And for God, we'll forever give you glory. We'll forever give you praise. Glory be to your name. Glory be to your name we love you we adore you Lord help us like never before in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus thank you Lord Amen thank you Jesus